we do that, we're going to um, read some of the scripture that we are going to be um, preaching about today. The first scripture we're going to read today comes from John chapter 3. So we're going to read the entire chapter of John chapter 3. Um, starting from the beginning, John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This came to Jesus by night. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we, we know that you are a teacher that comes from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, you speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, and whoever does not believe in him is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may clearly be seen that his works have been carried out in God. After just this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anon near Selene, because water was plentiful there. People were coming and being baptized. For John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing, and all are going to him. John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony asks it to seal to this, that God is true. For he is he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. Whoever believes in the Son is eternal life, 
Whoever does not obey the Son cannot see his life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Great word, right? Yeah, a lot more. <laughs> so that was our first reading. Here's what we say. <laughs> our second one is, oh, we're only supposed to read the last five verses of this. I thought that up too late. We read the whole chapter. It's a great chapter, though, right? We loved it. I'm glad we read the whole chapter. <laughs> Remember those five verses. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, now we're moving on to First John 2. <laughs> 1 John 2, verse 12 to 14. 1 John 2, 12 reads, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, Jesus' Father, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Um, and our last reading today is from Second Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 15. Second Corinthians 8. Verse 1 reads, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he has started, he, so he should complete among you this act of grace. That as we excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, he is to excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment, his benefit to you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their needs, that their abundance may supply your needs, that there may be fairness. As it is written, Whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. I just thank you for all that you have done in the past and the last two and a half years. It's really been useful. You've gone through something great in our lives today, God, and even as we continue on in a new place, Jesus, we pray that your presence would go before us, God, and that you would fill that hotel, Jesus, and that in this church, God, you would just continue to make yourself greater amongst us. 
and establish a decision. So I don't actually really know what it looks like to sustain a revival. Like maybe it doesn't mean that. Um, I think some people think that well, we just have like worship and praise and like a service every single night for like the rest of your life. I'm not convinced that that's what revival is supposed to look like because God really likes to do things different all the time. Like He doesn't like people. He doesn't seem to like people sticking with the status quo. Like He likes people, his people to depend on Him and have faith for the next day and not look to the things of the past for like necessary for like what should be done in this moment. And so when I think about um, when I think about that, like I wonder like. And what does it really mean to sustain the Bible? It's not like, you know, having worship every single night and um, something like that. Like, what does it mean? And even more in that, like, what is it, what is it inside of us as humans that keeps that from happening? Um, I think that's, at least to me, that's a more important question because, like, God, if God wants something to last, like, he's going to, um, it's a spirit of sustainability, not ours. But I think there is like a role that he gives us to play in that. So rather than worrying about what he's going to do, um, I am trying to figure out like what it is in my heart or what it is in our heart as a church that might keep something like that to um, might allow something like that to end, even if it's not possible for it to end. Uh, and so. At least for me, uh, something that I thought of, like the way sometimes the way I think about it is like, what could God do that is like most offensive to me, and why is that offensive to me? Um, and so, at least yeah, in the past couple of years, one of the things that I thought was like, really that need to have problems with this, really just here, but. Uh, um, also, maybe, I don't know if this will speak to anyone too, but it's not because it's a good thing that it seems to happen. Because it seems to be actually something that many people struggle with, like at least in the Bible of the past. Like, there are really big issues between people who are making judgments. And those issues become so big that even though there are so many people involved in it, like those people, like their issues with one another, sometimes, or even their issues with themselves, because sometimes we can do that to make it because it's so focus on ourselves rather than on God and like listen to like the voice of condemnation um, rather than trusting that God can use us even if we do mess up a lot and also like but uh, <laughs> um, uh, so yeah so like what I've been thinking about is you know how sometimes it can be really hard for us to step out of and then the other side of the story is the people who are stepping into something who not value what was put on before you as well. And I think both of those create disunity between people. Um, I think dishonor, a lot of it has to do with dishonor as well. Um, also, probably issues with identity, so many things, honestly. Um, but I, I, I just wanted to touch on those two things because I, I also, like, when I think about revival, I also just really want to know, like, how God is communicating us to be a stronger community. And, um, yeah, just give God this grace that looks to Him and Him alone. Um, 
He doesn't let like our ego get in the way and let him take over, let, let him lead it. So off of that, that's one of So I'll start with like the, the first one when it comes to having those who um allowing people not even allowing people to talk to people to tell you to do it that you don't want to, but letting people step into it, stepping out of something so that someone else can step into it. Um, and I think that's a really big issue because there's many, many, like many, many great leaders where they're actually in five and they look at the rules of life that they're gonna be under. Um, and some people will say that's because their God just wants to do something new. But I think God can hand something off to like the next generation and still like have some aspects of that ministry to do something new. Like any um, so the the one example that Jonah had read that was only supposed to be twenty five verses was John three. Uh, also, I don't know how that's great. I don't know if I'm allowed to read the verses, so I'm going to read them. I'll just read them so you guys can know which verses are supposed to be read. It did not go into the size of my brother. Um, so this is when uh, Jesus, um, after Jesus comes onto the scene and John baptizes him, Jesus' uh, ministry begins to grow. Um, and so, uh, starting in verse 25, um, now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you and said to him, he was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, but he is baptizing and all are going to him. And John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness, but I said, I am not the Christ, I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom, the son of the bridegroom. He stands and hears him, the voice is greatly at the back of the Therefore, the story of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. And uh, to me, I think this is like one of the best examples of how ministry can be carried on to the next person in the right way. Um, and so, you can see here that like, these ministry starts off, I don't know if he himself is baptizing people and having the same as disciples, but his ministry starts off with like doing the same thing. John, John's work, but then it quickly branches into something so much more like, you know, the casting out of demons and healing the sick and the blind and the lame and all of those things. So it takes a little bit of like what John is doing and just expands on it, which is what I feel like God would really like to see in his church is someone take something and then like the next person comes afterwards and just expands on it. So like even when I think about some of like, some of the pastors who hear us from like, on this country, like everyone knows, I, I love to make the for it. Like, he didn't care. I don't, at least to my knowledge, I don't think he handed his ministry off to anyone, even though he lived, like, which isn't anything against him because he had a really big ministry and it seemed like he walked with God like, all his life and then God just took them. Like, I think he's one of those people that even died, he just got taken. Uh, I think that's not true, I think they're very I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, uh, so. And so I think about that, I'm like, wow, like, I wonder if that's like what God's will was over his life, or if he had wished that maybe he had, um, you know, mentored someone so that if someone else could take what he was doing and then he did it even further. Like, maybe we would still be having fighting rounds and we're still killing in the streets today in the Western world if that had been the case with him and um, others that were involved in that. Um, and I don't think, in like Smith Wigglesworth's case, he was. Or I don't know him, so 
maybe I could be wrong, but I don't think it was like out of doubt. I think that's a lot of people that are actually out of doubt. Like you don't want people to really have time to see someone come after them and do it in any other way. And like to maybe assault people or taking what they come to them or doing it. And so that's why um, I feel like that's one of the reasons why, well, I don't know, but I feel like that could be one of the reasons why Jesus really honors John because John saw that with his ministry. He wasn't trying to like hang on to his ministry and hang on to what his role was supposed to be, but he allowed the man to take some steps into it. And I think another good example is probably like Paul of Timothy, which is why um, I think a lot of people really value the second Timothy because a lot of it has to go out with how to clean up the pictures and coming after you. And so I bring this up because it hopefully God brings like the Bible and it shows you how to speak to kids. It's going to come a time where we are no longer doing what we used to do. And that younger people who are more talented, more gifted, have more special, are going to come and have <laughs> I just figured this through because that's usually what happens. Like, God is like producing these people who like have, like, within our heart and whether we care more about the scene or whether we care about the position that we um, And so I, I can imagine this better. And honestly, I always feel like it. Like, every time a new member joins in this church, I'm like, oh my God, they're so holy. Like, they're so beautiful. <laughs> like, why didn't I have that when I was in college? And it's really awesome. Uh, at first, like, it was just really offending me because I'd be like, God, like, why didn't you do that in, to me in, in college? Or, like, why was I like that? Like, why does this person seem to get it so easy? And then the Holy Spirit's always pushed through to me and be like, why can't you just value, like, what I put inside of that person? Um, and so I think if, like, anyone wants to stay with this church and any other God, that that's something that we really need to address in our hearts because it's something that we struggle with because God really raised us to, like, and that's honestly the best thing that could happen is that the people who come before us or I mean come after us are more are are ready to take it what it is. And that's also um kind of like why well why I also wanted to mention like why I think John I uh, do not confess to be an addict or an adult, so if this is a bad interpretation, you can check that out. But yeah, the verses in one John too, like when it says, I'm writing this to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for the same sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And then he says that again and expands on it a little bit. Like, every generation has a different role to play. And it seems like with like young people, at least part of that is um, the capacity to overcome that is different, I think, than what like, fathers and mothers have. And so, yes, there's, like, a lot of maturity with, like, young believers and people, but they bring something that kind of just, like, keeps it going. It's like how um, Esther always says that she likes to stay be close to these college students because it keeps her fire burning for the services. Because um, it's really hard to do it, like, the more and more that you are. Even, like, lately I've been spending a lot of time studying um, the music generation because, like, Revolution, which is like, if you don't know, a big revival that happened in the 60s and 70s in the U.S. where many people were getting saved. Most of it was like hippies and like young people. Um, I don't know what I was going to Okay, whatever. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, so many of the people that were saved were like young people. And, um, and what's funny was like the leaders of the movement realized that as they were getting older, it actually felt like harder to relate to them. Like when they first ran to things and they made like 
So part of being prepared and investing is it to implement our guidelines and implement our heart and why certain things are doing better us. And so, yeah, I just bring up this example because I think part of the community movement is this right, the right way of passing things on to the next person. And part of it is also knowing like, when is the right time. I think Dr. Daniel and other people to figure that out, like, you know, when is the right time to pass things on to the next person. Although hopefully this is also true to each and every single one of us. But any, uh, yeah, I, I think another big thing is just the disunity that can come with the movement. And um, yeah, so even like thinking about like the the digital religion again, like as I'm studying it, like um, I don't know if anyone saw like the digital religion movie. I mean, I think like the first hour is great. The second hour is like okay, but <laughs> the first hour is great. I was like crying like every five minutes because I love watching it because it's crazy. But uh, in the movie, I don't know if it's actually true because you know it's dramatic retelling of like actual events. But the two main leaders of like the movement, at least in California, um, they split because the younger one starts to think that he's the thing that's keeping it going, and I don't want to see that happen with us. Um, I don't want to see it happen with anyone, and it can very easily not even just like in our church, but with like other ministries, like you know. What is like? It would be very easy to point to like the other campus ministries and be like, "You guys have been here for like 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and what have you done?" Like nothing. <laughs> like people still love themselves. People still love the world. Um, but it would be much better if we could see like the good that God is doing through their hands, even if it's not necessarily like what we do, but just honor what God has been using them for. And then in the same regard, like, what if, you know, a new ministry pops up or, like, some random student, like, is, like, the start of the revival, like, it doesn't happen to us, like, what, how would we react to that? Like, would we be happy? Would we be like, oh, boy, to see, like, our brother and sister's success and, like, how God is, for whoever God is using, that he is using someone to save these campuses? Or, like, I mean, of course, like, we have this side of God to us because we want to be used by God. But we also, at the same time, you know, even by at the same time, we also want to rejoice when he uses others. Um, yeah. And I saw, I think that was mainly what I had to say. I don't know if I'm going to uh, but yeah, I really love all of you guys. And when I just when I look at all of you, I see so much, <laughs> uh, so much giftedness and um, so much beauty. And I mean, it just seems like just even like this is something that I really struggle with. I don't know if other people struggle with. I think yeah, you struggle with it. But if you do, hopefully, um, that God can really help all of us out of it. But I, I'm just really thankful because I think God even wants to take stuff like this out of our hearts, even at the most recent gospel forum, like. Um, our events are something we sometimes ask about a lot, like because I am very tribal, and so I'm always like, why isn't this person doing their job right? Or like, you know, this could be done better. Blah, blah, blah. But I've also for like for the first time, you know, for the first time in five years, I felt so much joy to working with like everyone. So much joy that like, wow, I get to work with these people. These people are awesome. Like, look at what God's doing in my life. Look at how God's using that person as a leader. And so maybe also that is some encouragement to anyone else who might be struggling with this. You know, even after five years, Jesus is working and moving. Um, but yeah, I pray that He would really help us in whatever He wants us to do. He would be the one that supports it, and as He is supporting us 
so long that you wouldn't let it like the our heart and overcome what you're doing that you're setting up and so that you don't let go and put that into your heart. Yes, I wanted to talk about the the passage that Chris read in Second Corinthians. I want to just say a little reminder that um, that Paul is writing to the to the church in Corinth to read and um, talk about. But this is specific in Macedonia and how they should express joy and seek encouraging their churches and friends to do the same. Um, and yeah, so the entire chapter actually has a lot of giving, but I'm not going to talk about giving specifically. I just want to reference this passage because I think a lot of the um, concepts and, and encouragement is also relevant to uh, just living, living as a Christian in general. Um, yeah, so I think specifically, some verses from 1 Corinthians 6, 10, and 11. Um, and then this matter of this, my judgment, this kind of benefits you to a really good study, not only to do this work, but also to decide to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in designing it may be matched by your completion as for you. Um, yeah, again, this is about financial giving and how the church, the Christian church, wanted to give to the churches in Judea and Jerusalem and the city. Um, and they have chosen to give to them a year ago. And now Paul is writing this to encourage them to finish this task that they said that they were going to do. And um, I think this is very relevant to a lot of situations that we have a lot of long term goals that we might have, a lot of long term commitments that we want to um, give to God. And, and sometimes you know, we can be discouraged because that way we could lose the joy that we initially had to do something. Um, and so how do we get that into it? Um, so I think the some things that Paul talks about that are the, the first, I guess not the first thing that passes, but um, the first thing I want to talk about is um, looking at Jesus' example. Um, in verse 10, he says, I will say this on my testimony in this verse, please have the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Yeah, I think, well, Paul does this a lot where he'll you know, always reference Jesus as an example. And, it is true. Like, Jesus is the best example when doing something like this. And, but even him, right, he, he had this, the Father sent him to save the world by dying on the cross. And even him, like, right before he was going to die on the cross, he asked that, God, that this cup passed for me, and yet not, not now, if it was possible. But still, that last moment, he had that, like, I don't want to do it, but... You know, I know you want me to do it, but I don't want to. But he had that moment too. 
Um, and yet, he still went through with it. And, um, and I think Paul writes in the um, next that Jesus obeyed his Father and been doing the work and completing the work that the Father had sent him to do. He proved his love um, to be genuine and his earnestness of others to be true. Um, and I think that that's the best example of that. He revealed his entire life. And that's, you know, the penultimate of his mission is to give his life. And even that, as difficult as it is, he chose to keep it. And to prove that his life is genuine. Um, and um, the second, uh, the next part of uh, Paul talks about the purpose of um, uh, accompanying the church. And that's to, I guess, for those who live in abundance to supply to those who are in need. And, and yeah, so Paul talks about. Supporting each other in the church body. And again, this is like more specific to finance. I think it applies to like any, anything, um, joy, uh, you know, motivation, um, any spiritual discipline, even. Uh, and uh, like, because I think everybody goes through their own ups and downs in different types of life. And then once it's going to be really well, then enjoy it. And then I guess that's what he's doing very well. And so um, I think it's important that um, as a church body, that we take care of each other through this body. And I mean, I think we're like, as a pianist, we're like getting old, you know, when our new age feels very different. So I know I'm sure other people are really close to like their vision. Food, and support him. Um, and it's things like that where, for some people, I mean, I know everybody has different relationships with everybody, but for some people, it's like an instinct. Oh, this person has a need, I'm just going to go. Um, and I think that's kind of the place that we want to get to. Maybe not with everyone, um, which is probably not realistic, but, um, but you know, for someone, when you have that kind of relationship, where that's just like instinctual. You know, if I have a stomach ache, and like my instinct is to cover my stomach and, and like put some warmth to it or something, um, it's an automatic reaction. And it doesn't mean my foot is also going to help support my stomach right now, but you know, there's a part of my body that's like an instinct to, to go there and, and help. Um, so, yeah, similarly, it's I think it's really important for the church body when, um, when a member is feeling weak and, and dry or in, in their spirit or even in material means that others um, are also really close to members of the ministry. It becomes an instinctual thing to want to go support them. And I'll say one more example that I think it's not, it's not like, um, so sometimes when I'm in a dry place, um, other than you know, I'll reach out and just say, like, hey, you want to check out a church thing? 
just not, you know, the typical, hey, here's the word of encouragement. I'm praying for you. Here's a word, a verse that will make encourage you when you're out there. <laughs> for me, um, you know, like, this, okay, this might not even be why he says this to me, but God knows. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I just wanted to share this example because it's not like, you know, the typical <laughs> of encouragement. But I just wanted to show that I think everybody has these different um, areas of weakness here in different times and different seasons. And it's not only about it. It's not only about um, what you think, like, as the person who is stronger in your situation, but even just to So verses are great. Courage is bring life. So I'm not saying don't do that. But even just having a person, a person to pull you out of that state of, you know, victim mentality or just feeling really, really self-condemnation and like just really down and just having someone to just, hey, you want to work with me today? You want to like just get out of your house and just, you know, come over and Physical circumstances in order to have that joy and have 
so much more life than the other. The bars on the natural eyes. And then in the very first sentence, Paul answers that. And I want you to know that it's about the grace of God that has been given in one of the churches of Macedonia. It's really easy to say this, but it's so true that like, it's only by the grace of God. Because the things, like the act, you can just be by sheer willpower. But to have the extraordinary union, it really comes down to having God's grace as they have to live by. And to continue being in this genuine heart and heartfelt joy. Um, yeah, so I'm going to answer a little bit on that, um, about like, how do we sleep for them, how do we continue in that season or moment of grace where God is able to, to um, help grow in their good things. Um, I think, um, I think first, uh, your reaction has to be immediate. When, when God gives that window of grace to to choose to do something, and I think you have to really jump on it and say yes immediately because then you're asking in grace, and, it's, and then that grace will allow you to have joy um, in what you're doing. And um, in Hebrews, earlier, okay, in Hebrews uh, 3, um, verse, I think, Hebrews 3, verse 7. Um, I'll just read it for you. So, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing the wickedness. Um, and he goes on and talks about that. But um, I think the emphasis is today. If you hear his voice, if, if you have that conviction of knowing what you're supposed to be doing or, um, or whatever struggle that you're trying to get out of, Say yes to that today, because that window of grace will shrink. And the context of Hebrews three is talking about um, the Israelites uh, leaving Egypt with Moses, um, and it's really apt. Like he, because they were wandering for forty years, and like why did it take that long? And I really think it's because when God gave them the grace to say yes, they chose to grumble about it instead. You know, they didn't choose to be all in. And then even later on when they were, um, I think there were certain moments where they were like, okay, we're ready to go now. And then Moses is like, no, if we go now, the enemy is going to overtake us. Like, so it's that window of grace is shifting and it's shrinking. So, like, you know, you have to test it in the moment and say yes in the moment. Otherwise, you lose it and then Later on, that um, and that moment passes you, and even if you want to go back to it, it's not going to be that same grace and that same joy that comes from being faithful. Um, now we get uh, personally. Personally, it's a lot of times when I struggle with doing something, <laughs> I I think I always revert back. My flesh, and I choose to indulge in entertainment or ask permission in entertainment. Um, but then there's always, you know, that moment where, like, you watch like hours of YouTube, and then there's that moment where it's like, where there's a voice that's just like, okay, you can stop now. You can really stop now. 
Well, first of all, Jesus believed it, but Jesus was also simple, right? And so there really is a purpose, and also that gospel really is sufficient to um, to take what we're doing, take what we do have to offer him, and make it, and make it something that is um, it's really beautiful, but you know, the aspect of my question is to Stay, stay in 